Good evening, I'm Trey Canubis, and I had the opportunity to interview the founder of my new favorite productivity tool, Rescue Time. So I'll go ahead and let the interview speak for itself. Uh, I'm Tony Wright. I'm the founder of RescueTime.com, uh, which is well, you're probably going to ask me what Rescue Time does in the next question, but Rescue Time is a software that gives individuals and businesses a uh, kind of unique and fresh understanding of how they spend their time and, and provides tools to help them spend it more productively. So who is this product aimed at? Is it mostly businesses or individuals or what's going on? Well, so we, we started with the idea that we wanted to target kind of individuals and it was it was attacking kind of a personal problem of our own that that you know that we had. We were we were doing the scrum methodology uh, when we were doing some software development at a company called Jobster. And uh, every day people's job was to sort of articulate what they did in the previous 24 hours and what they were going to get done in the next 24. And we found that people's ability to sort of talk about what they did in the last 24 hours was, was awful. Uh, they'd say, well, I thought I was going to get done, you know, these three things, but, you know, it turns out that I only got this thing done, but I felt really busy and I don't know why. Uh, so, so the idea, and I kind of had this suspicion that I was, uh, you know, well, I thought I was a web developer for a living. In fact, I was increasingly turning into a uh, emailer and instant messenger for a living, and that that's where most of my time was. Uh, so we wanted to kind of build this, and, and the idea was, uh, you know, initially was just kind of for us and as a side project. Uh, but as we talked to it to friends and, and other developers more and more, we we realized that there were some other people who had some interest. Uh, so it kind of kind of very slowly sort of morphed its way into that. Uh, so we're at, at, to start with, we're targeting individuals. I think as we, uh, you know, as the product matures a little bit and gets gets more stable and gets more powerful, I think there is a, a lot of potential with kind of small teams kind of to attack this in a collaborative way uh, to understand how they are sort of collectively spending their time. Because I mean, obviously, everyone's pretty buried in with the information overload issues, and uh, and we think that it would be better if people spent less time at their in front of their computers and and spent it kind of more efficiently, so that they could uh, you know have a life outside of their computers. Okay, so you're targeting individuals. You know, how can you help me? Give me like a, a use case scenario. Well, I mean, so the, the, there's a couple of different use cases. The, the, you know, the big one right now, because rescue time effectively is is capturing what you're paying attention to on the computer. Uh, it's ideally suited for people who spend most of their professional life in front of a computer, right? Uh, it's less good for people, you know, like a sales guy who's on the road or something like that. Um, so, uh, so the idea is that that you, uh, you know, and what we see a lot of is, is people are curious about how they spend their time. Uh, they realize that something is wrong. They realize they're not product as productive as they want to be, and their job is to create some sort of output, right? Whether they're a a coder or a designer or a writer. Uh, you know, they have a vested interest in their own efficiency. Uh, so, and if you look at, you know, at any sort of time management system, you know, when you, when you read these kind of businessy self-help books, they say, well, the first thing you should do is keep a log of how you spend your time. And it turns out that's pretty darn impractical. I mean, if you, you imagine writing all this stuff down on a piece of paper, every time you alt tab to an instant message window, uh, you'd have a pretty busy piece of paper pretty quickly. <laughs> um, I actually tried doing that once, but I found that I jump around too much and it was it was like too much to write down. It wasn't really working out that well. Yeah, I mean, what we're finding is people are alt tabbing. I mean, this is my favorite stat that I pull out of Rescue Time is that the average Rescue Time user is alt tabbing to an instant message window seventy-seven times per day, and that's the average, right? So, and I when I looked at my own, uh, I was about one hundred and thirty-three, uh, and that 
caused me to be so horrified that I literally uninstalled instant message uh, apps for my computer just because I mean I mean the, the, the idea that we can multitask as human beings I mean if, if you poke around about it and research a little bit it's just not true we aren't good at it uh, and those that ca- task switching and context switching is uh, is both painful and expensive from a productivity point of view so the idea is that as an individual you know and, and we see this a lot of uh, with kind of freelance consultants too who whose financial well-being depends on their own efficiency, that their goal is to sort of start to measure and start to repair their kind of own productivity and get more productive. And there's certainly a, uh, you know, just a pure curiosity motivation as well as just, you know, people want to know the answer to this question. And, and the answer is generally pretty darn entertaining, if nothing else. Okay, so how does this work? Why don't you go ahead and just kind of like explain the uh, process? Sure. Uh, so Rescue Time is a, is a small downloadable application, a couple hundred K, and it's available for uh, Mac and Windows. And we've actually had uh, someone uh, uh, in the Linux community dive in and make a Linux client as well. Uh, but it's a small downloadable application that you will ins- install on your computer. And what it does is it pays attention to what you're focusing on. So it's not measuring what applications or websites are open, but it's measuring what's in focus. It's going to give you more detail than, say, Firefox. It's not going to say, well, you spent four hours in Firefox. It's going to actually dive into that and say, you spent you know 20 minutes at Google and 30 minutes on Gmail and you know, an hour and a half on Facebook or, uh, or wherever you spend your time. So the idea is really to capture uh, what your attention, uh, you know, where your attention is going. Uh, and it also, of course, idles out. So if your computer, if your keyboard and mouse are idle for a certain amount of time, it'll decide that you are no longer in front of your computer and kind of close out the current record. <laughs> Some of this is a little scary, though. It's kind of interesting to see how much time I actually spend on just Google alone. Yeah, I'd, uh, I, there's a blog post that we actually have on our, on our company blog where uh, where I actually within Rescue Time. So all of this data gets sent to our servers, where we kind of you know crunch the numbers, then allow you to do analytics on it to see basically a bunch of bar graphs and a bunch of lists, and uh, you can categorize uh, anything you know website or application any way you want via tags, uh, kind of like delicious. So if, uh, you know, for example, I've decided to tag just cause I wanted to know how much Google owned me. Uh, I decided to tag every, every Google product that I used, you know, whether it's Google desktop search or Google search or Gmail or Google analytics, I tagged all those things as Google so that I can very easily have a, a day by day, week by week or month by month sense of what percentage of my time was spent on some sort of Google product. Uh, and when I first did that, it started as 13% on average uh, and has since grown to about 19% as our company started using Google Docs and Google Spreadsheets instead of uh, Microsoft Word and Excel. So Google is uh, pretty dominant. But we did find that the still the most dominant application on the planet is Outlook in terms of time spent. <laughs> <laughs> Softball question, but this is such a fantastic service. How much does it actually cost? Yeah, this is my, uh, my my home run answer is uh, is yeah. It's uh, right now it's free. Uh, so for individual use, it's free. The idea is uh, eventually as we kind of roll out some, and that'll be uh, you know if if we ever say, I mean I, I can obviously never say what's gonna what things are gonna be like in years, uh, but uh, but we want there to always be a free offering, and we want it to be at least as good as what we have now. So we aren't gonna make turn this into crippleware and uh, and make it so no one can uh, use it unless they're forking up money. Where we kind of see it going is, uh, you know, charging teams and businesses to kind of see this data in aggregate and to use it kind of collectively and collaboratively. And that's where we see, uh, you know, eventually there being kind of a revenue model. I'm not a big fan of advertisement just because, I don't know, it seems to me that when you put advertisement 
investments in a tool, which Rescue Time is, you know, first and foremost, a tool for people that that those ads blend and tend to go away kind of visually pretty quickly. You know, if you aren't, uh, I don't know if, if you use Gmail or any webmail client, but when I use any webmail client, you know, the ad region disappears for me, right? You just spend so much time on it that it goes away. So, so, and that we could obviously, because of the data that we have, give people some pretty amazingly targeted ads, right? We can know, uh, you know, exactly what you're doing. So, if you're, a, you know, a Photoshop guy, we can give you great ads for for cool Photoshop stuff. But I, I just don't want to be in the ad business. I, I, you know, we're sort of more interested in solving people's problems and 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 you know, being helpful for people rather than, you know, trying to trick them into clicking on things, which is what the ad business kind of seems to be. You do have a lot of data, a lot of really cool data. Like I imagine that you could approach Adobe and say, hey, you know, we know everything about how people actually use your CS3, you know, master suite. Do you have any plans to like maybe sell anonymous data or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, there's the, the data asset is kind of, I mean, that's a long-term thing where I think if, if we had a big enough user base, you know, I could imagine that uh, that, that data asset would get pretty interesting. Right now, our user base is, is kind of small. We're in the neighborhood of about 33,000 users as of today. Um, and that's growing, you know, at 9% per week now. So that's, gosh, annualized, that'd be about three or 4,000% growth. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think eventually the idea of a data asset uh, play is kind of interesting. We could do something like Alexa does, which is basically kind of publish for free, you know, the, uh, you know, kind of a zeitgeist of what people are doing with their time and, and sort of how that's trending. But yeah, you know, this, obviously there's, you know, some privacy implications here. So not only anonymized, but it would have to be only an aggregate, right? We would never say, you know, here's anonymous, you know, user B, uh, you know, and here's how they spend their time. Because I think you can kind of sometimes reverse engineer data like this and, and get back to some sort of identity. So we really want to avoid that. Well, that's what happened to um, Netflix and AOL. They released a whole bunch of, you know, quote unquote anonymous data. And it was proven that some of that data can be actually, you know, tracked back to the original user. <laughs> it's nice of them to make those mistakes before we got here, so so we could avoid them. But uh, but yeah, I mean that's kind of a no brainer. And we do, I mean, a big part of Rescue Times, you know, feature set is pretty privacy focused. One of my favorite ones is we offer. Uh, you know, obviously you you don't want to track every single website that you go to. You might have ten or twelve you know, websites and applications that you use frequently. So we have a feature that's called whitelists that allows you to basically uh, keep a list of the sites that you care about, you know, on your computer. And Rescue Time will basically take that uh, and only send information about those websites up to our servers. Everything else will still get sent, but it will get sent in a sort of other website bucket. Uh, so it'll it'll will literally never get any other data than the websites that uh, you know that you want to send. And the rescue time data also is sent. Uh, it's basically uh, pushed as YAML files. Uh, I don't. This is probably getting relatively geeky, but uh, but they're basically there. Uh, you can see the data that rescue time sends. Uh, we do send it securely, but you can see basically exactly you know on your hard drive what data we're sending. So uh, so the goal is, is as much as possible to put the data into the user's hands, give them control of what they want to send and what they don't. And once it gets here, uh, you know, we give them control, also the ability to delete, you know, data in a selective day-by-day basis or just, you know, if they want to wipe a website, uh, you know, if they went to monster.com and they realized, gosh, you know, I don't necessarily want my boss to know that I'm going to monster.com, I'd like to delete that data, uh, they can do so in, uh, you know, basically, you know, that's all under their control. So you have all these, this data, all these bar graphs and whatnot. What can you do with this data? Can you make it do anything for you? Can you, you know, publish it in any way, anything like that? 
Right. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the first kind of step of rescue time was to, to be kind of an analytics package. And we, and we think that just the knowledge of, you know, the ability to see this and, and crunch around in this data is powerfully motivating and is pretty behavior changing is what we've seen. We do want to kind of, and we started doing this a little bit, but we do want to move in the direction of kind of giving people tools to, to help, you know, help themselves along a little bit. So we have a goals and alerts feature. Uh, and to give you an example, uh, you know, one of my goals is I want to spend less than 30 minutes a day on news and blog sites. So, uh, and I have it set up so that as soon as I exceed 30 minutes a day, I get an SMS message. My phone buzzes uh, with essentially a reminder that, hey, I just blew my goal for the day and I need to get back to work. And there's also positive goals too where you can say I want to spend, you know, generally I, I try to aim for uh, – you know, six hours of, of stuff that I label as work per day, which, uh, uh, you know, you'd think that's not a particularly ambitious goal, but that tends to be in the sort of 97th, 98th percentile of, uh, of actual work time that people spend uh, on a given day. So, uh, so yeah, so I have positive goals as well. Uh, and you, you can imagine that within a, a group or a business setting, uh, you can set it up so that, uh, you know, if your average team member spends, say, 30 minutes doing social networking stuff a day, that you could uh, set it up to send a kind of an automated nudge to any employee that exceeds 30 minutes and say, you know, nothing that's blocking websites or getting kind of, you know, Soviet uh, on it. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, something that says, hey, you know what, just wanted to let you know you are now officially below average uh, on the team in terms of uh, wasting time on social networks. So, so maybe uh, maybe kind of think about getting back to work. Um, so we, we don't want to be like this micromanagement tool. And that's why we put in a lot of the control into the user's hands. You can't install Rescue time in a stealth way so you can never put it uh, on a computer without someone knowing about it uh it pops up every time you reboot and there's a big icon uh, in the system tray and uh and uh and like that so uh so yeah so the goal is is to kind of you know try to give managers some tools that you know can allow them to not be micromanagers but still have their teams kind of you know going in the right direction and also give them a little bit of business intelligence uh, to, to understand, hey, you know, is my team, you know, when you have a small team, you can understand sort of productivity and you can, you, on a good gut feeling, you can kind of say, yeah, the team kind of feels like we're slowing down, you know, but when you have a team of 20 or 30, then all of a sudden that your ability to sort of have a gut feeling of, of team morale and output and productivity is, is, it's pretty hard to have that. So, so we're hoping we can kind of offer a, a, an ability for a manager to look at this data in aggregate. Aggregate, uh, so not necessarily zooming in on everyone's exact data and really getting really deep into their data, but understanding more just kind of the team aggregate and how that's trending. That's cool. So what are you working on now, if you can talk about any of that at all? Like what kind of features are you maybe rolling out soon? Sure. Um, one of the big things we're working on, uh, at, seeing as rescue time, and, and at the very beginning of this, we got uh, kind of hammered by a couple of people like, well, why is this an online tool? You know, why don't you just give me something I can install on my computer and, and use this? Uh, and where rescue time is moving is kind of in more of a, a sort of social and benchmarky way uh, so that you can imagine – that a team you could do some comparison stuff compare yourself to the average team member uh, and b also compare yourself to people like yourself so if you're a you know system administrator you could benchmark yourself against other system administrators um, so yeah so I think and and the challenge that we had with that is that well because we've allowed other people you know allowed our users to kind of categorize uh, all of their stuff uh, themselves you know basically via tags um, that people's tags didn't really overlap very reliably. So, for example, you might tag things as work, and I might tag things as productive, uh, which are fairly synonymous, but uh, 
but that makes it very difficult to compare you to me in terms of you know two system administrators looking at their time. So we are actually uh, in the next release we're doing kind of these more sticky kind of permanent categories of application and website so we can kind of get a little bit more ability to compare uh, and then give people the ability and this is something that uh, you know some of our users have actually really hot for is uh, give people the ability to kind of publicly uh, AC, you know, hey, I'm in the top 5% of, you know, Photoshop guys uh, in terms of just sheer amount of time and effort in Photoshop. Uh, and B, be able to kind of publicly represent that with kind of a, a you know, ba badge, blog widget, you know, MySpace widget, uh, you know, goofy stuff like that. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of like, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of fat blogging that, uh, you know, a bunch of people uh, who got into the concept of, you know, blogging about losing weight, right? And it's, uh, it's, it's kind of a way to keep yourself honest. And so strangely, a lot of our users want this data to be more public um, to sort of uh, keep them uh, from screwing off as much as they might otherwise screw off. So uh, it's kind of a weird motivation, but it's, it's, it's kind of a life hack, right? I mean, it's a way to sort of to, uh, you know, make yourself more disciplined than you uh, than you might otherwise be, which is kind of cool. The same way that uh, it doesn't actually just say, you know, Mozilla Firefox actually says what web page you're on, it would be really great if you could do the same thing with instant messaging because I find that I waste a lot of my time talking to people I really shouldn't be talking to while I'm working. And uh, it would be nice. Is that feature coming anytime soon? Yeah, so we – I mean there's, there's kind of, you know – I mean, within rescue time data, there's a bunch of black holes, and the the kind of black hole we attacked out of the gate was the browser. It would be fairly useless for for me to say, "Hey, you spend six hours in Firefox. You know, is that good or bad?" Well, I don't know. Um, but uh, you know, there's other black holes like I am, which is I, I think you're right. That's a uh, you know people. Uh, you know, you could basically tag people as sort of productive or good people to talk to, or you know, kind of goof off buddy kind of conversations. Uh, and similarly, the email client of you know, hey, in Outlook. Uh, you could spend four hours in Outlook as a professional, but that could be good or bad depending on sort of who you're talking to and and how you're talking to them. So, so I think there's uh, there's kind of other cans uh, that we can open. Uh, we don't have the kind of IM and Outlook stuff on the near term. Uh, one of the other kind of near term things, which is cool, is uh, uh, we have a lot of demand for kind of document and directory understanding. So you can imagine that you're working on four projects in you know say you're a writer. And you're working on four different, you know, actual documents uh, for four different clients. So you're a freelance person. So to understand sort of, hey, you know, am I working in Acme Incorporated's directory where I have four or five different documents or am I working on, you know, client B's directory? And to kind of give, uh, you know, people who are, who are multitasking on multiple projects the ability to understand, you know, okay, I'm using Microsoft Word, but, but what am I really using it for? Um, so that's uh, that's on the plate too, and that's that's probably uh, our most demanded feature. Cool. One of my favorite companies is Valve. They make the um, like Half-Life Two Counter-Strike kind of games, right? And they're my favorite company because uh, they're relatively small back when they first started, and they're the kind of place where you can actually call the CEO up and talk to him if you wanted to. It's a very transparent kind of company. If like you can actually walk in and see what they're doing, you know, it's an open building. And when I was looking at your like support forms, I really got the sense that like your company was actually talking to people in the community. Like I was actually seeing, you know, people who work there responding back. Would you say that you're kind of community orientated in some way? Uh, there is the – I mean you could do this company in a lot of different ways, right? And, and this is something that we could build this this big you know, monolith company for the enterprise and, uh, and you know, all put on suits and, and we're definitely not that company, right? We did this in a way that was kind of you know, 
kind of more for the worker, for the information worker and the knowledge worker, because we, because that's what we are. And uh, you know, yeah, we're small. We're 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 three people. Uh, you know, we're pre-funding. We're we uh, are actually currently fundraising, but we're not looking. You know, we're looking for a uh, we're looking to grow to a five-person team uh, in in the near term, not like to grow to a fifty or a hundred-person team. And I think the you know the the best thing. Uh, you know, the best thing that we did with Rescue Time was we put a little, uh, you know, feedback box on the sidebar of our, of the basically the entire website, right? So if you're logged in, you'll see a, you know, hey, what do you think about Rescue Time? And you know, and people give us. I mean, we've literally had four or five thousand uh, messages come in through that little box, uh, and try to respond to a lot of them. Uh, you know, but but yeah, I mean, the, the conversations we've had with our users have been so amazing and and so you know, helpful to sort of shape the product in a way that, that kind of, you know, makes rescue time into something that people want rather than, uh, you know, it's, it's easy to, a lot of people can try to guess, you know, what kind of product people want, but, you know, really I think the best way, uh, and we collectively think the best way to kind of build a product is to, you know, launch as early as possible and then, you know, respond to what the users are saying and doing, uh, to try to shape it into something that, you know, people are really excited and jazzed about. So, so yeah, so we definitely, you know, we are, we are a high communication company. Uh, sometimes that's pretty horrifying when I look at my own, uh, you know, time where I, where, where I spend my time, it's not as much in the development tools and a lot in the communication tools, but, uh, at the end of the day, I think it's definitely worth it. Yeah. So I guess it's kind of, you know, release early, release often, I suppose. Yeah. So if people want to help, uh, what should they do? What can they do? Well, I mean, we have. Uh, we'd love to hear from people. Uh, I mean, I imagine your audience is fairly, uh, fairly geeky. We don't have a published API yet, but we've had a bunch of people build uh, some cool stuff on top of Rescue Time, and we'd love to hear from people. Uh, you know, with ideas like that, uh, we had a, a couple guys, one for Mac and one for PC, who built uh, a tool to manually push data to Rescue Time, so they could. Be, what they wanted to do was essentially track offline time like meetings uh, and phone calls, they wanted to be able to push that data to rescue time. So they built tools to do that. Um, we had a guy make a Linux data collector and, and, and that could certainly use uh, – and we've had a couple people kind of uh, you know checking in code for that. But uh, there's always probably room for help there. Uh, and honestly, just use the tool uh, and tell us you know what's working for you and what's not and what's confusing and what's not uh, and, uh, and help us make it better. But yeah, I mean it's really uh, – we just love to, and and honestly, the the word of mouth too. If uh, if you use it and you like it, and uh, you know, tell your friends because that's uh, right now again we're growing like nine percent week over week, and that's you know near as I can tell. Uh, we can't take credit for any of that. It's all of our users basically, uh, you know, blogging about it, twittering about it, uh, emailing their friends, you know, just talking about it, uh, and we get some cool press too. So uh, so yeah, so uh, yeah, all of that stuff would be great. You're going to kill social networking when people find out how much time they actually spend on these sites. Yeah, we had uh, <laughs> we did, and this is uh, this should probably hit TechCrunch uh, here. Uh, they're going to write up an article on it supposedly, but uh, we did some some crunching and basically pulled out uh, about 500,000 man hours out of our database to do some analysis on, and we found that 44% of the all of that time represented in those top or in those kind of top uh, two or three hundred applications was communication related it was either email social networking instant messaging you know and these are all people who a people who are you know pretty obsessed with productivity they're trying to be productive right and uh you know, there are also people who can see all this data and you'd think so you think that our audience is probably better than most but to think that nearly half of you know 
you know, production workers, knowledge workers' time is spent essentially just moving information from one human being to another. Uh, you know, it's kind of horrifying. <laughs> we all think we're, you know, we're web developers and we're writers and we're artists or whatever, but uh, it turns out we are communicators. That's rather insightful. So if people wanted to contact you, what should they do? Uh, well, we have a contact page on our website, um, and we're always open for stuff like that. Um, you know, there's a, a forum uh, that we link to from our help page where, you know, people can throw out ideas as well as, you know, kind of bugs and such like that. Uh, and, of course, just using the service you'll see on that right-hand side of the site, there's a little feedback box. You know, we sometimes get one-word feedbacks that say, cool. Uh, you know, we uh, sometimes get, you know, long essays. uh uh, you know, people throwing out ideas to us. So anything uh, can go in that box and we read every single, I mean, the whole team reads every single one of those. So, uh, so yeah, uh, we do love to hear from people. Where is this located? Just out of curiosity, is this like your kind of like your house kind of thing or do you actually have a small office building or what's going on? No, we have, we have an office. We actually, so we, um, this was a hobby kind of project. It was a side project. We all had day jobs uh, up until, uh, the first of this year. So around Thanksgiving of last year, we, you know, as we started getting more and more interest, we decided to apply to Y Combinator, uh, which is a, it's a kind of seed funding, uh, very hacker centric, kind of geek centric seed funding outfit uh, out of Silicon Valley, uh, led by a guy named Paul Graham, who's a pretty famous software essayist uh, and the, one of the big kind of Lisp guys. Um, anyway, so uh, so we applied to Y Combinator, and they, I don't know, they get. I don't, they don't release the numbers anymore, but they get in the thousands of applicants, uh, you know, per six month session, and we uh, uh, we got the nod for that. So they picked twenty companies out of those thousands of applicants, and uh, so we've been uh, up until the end of March, uh, up until I guess April one, uh, we were in Silicon Valley. Uh, working with Y Combinator, and have since returned to Seattle uh, and have a small office in Pioneer Square. Uh, so yeah, so we are a, we are we are a real business with a real office, uh, but it is definitely small. Okay, if people have any you know questions or comments for you, do you have like an email address or a phone number where you can be reached? Yeah, you can shoot to uh, team t e a m at rescuetime dot com, uh, and that gets to basically all three team members. Uh, and uh, we don't actually uh, maintain a business phone. Uh, if you go to the contact page, you will see a phone number, and it is my cell phone. Uh, and uh, I, I, I take all sorts of bizarre calls on that number, but uh, but I'm probably not particularly <laughs> eager to uh, say it on a podcast. But it's on the contact page, so uh, so if people really want to talk by voice. Uh, I'm willing. <laughs> Oh, can't say I blame you. Okay, well, you know, thank you for your time, and thank you so much for uh, being here. No worries. Thank you. Okay, see ya. Okay, well, that was the interview with Tony Wright, the founder of RescueTime.com. If you have any questions or comments for me, I'm not really sure why you would, but if you do, you can email me at drakeanubis at gmail.com. If you need some uh, other form of way to contact me, um, I have a ton listed on my about page at drakeanubis.com. Um... Okay, great. Thank you for listening to Hack Republic Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.